0: bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay? Good luck. I mean, you say rock bottom, but like it just seems like things keep getting worse. What? What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday and I woke up in Cleveland and I'm going, how much worse can it get? Once divided, nothing left to subtract. Some words when spoken Can't be taken back Walks on his own With thoughts he can't help thinking Futures above to life
1: To episode 276 of the Who's Podcast. Hope you guys are having a wonderful week so far. As you truly did, nefarious brother Adam, aka Josh Lopez. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to hit me up on Instagram if you'd like at Josh Lopez94, J O S H I E Lopez94 on Instagram. And you can check me out on Josh Lopez Music on Instagram if you want to see me do some guitar covers. Uh, make sure to smash the subscribe or follow button anywhere you get your podcasts from, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, I uh, I think we're on iHeartRadio. <laughs> so anywhere you get pockets from, type in who's podcasts. Make sure to subscribe, especially for those who use Apple Podcasts. Leave us a four- or five-star review or rating. Not only does that expand and reach the show, But myself and Brett Carter I want to gauge your opinions on what you guys like or dislike about the podcast each week. And we do appreciate that uh, honest feedback because it it makes the show worthwhile and it lets us know that you guys are listening. And I do see the numbers that you guys are listening, and it's really cool. I mean, uh, it was just a couple weeks ago I was like, oh, we just passed uh, 300,000 downloads on Anchor, and now we're already up to like 330. So uh, I can't be more grateful for the support uh, from each and every single one of you who take time of the week to listen to the podcast, whether it's for five minutes, uh, a whole show it from the bottom of my heart and from brother Carter, we do appreciate the support. So thank you. Um, I would like to say, make sure to bookmark pro wrestling transcripts.com. I have, I have, Coverage of the entire G1 Climax 31 tournament Which is uh, going on right now Actually this morning as I'm recording this on a Thursday I uh, did today's 8 block show And for those who listen to the podcast this week I'm adding a nice little feature as the g ones continuing on I'm going to be doing weekly reports here Following the WWE segments And let you guys know my takeaways of the matches that stood out to me I'll give you updated update with the scores And uh the standings if you will and the matches that stood out to me so far since I've been uh covering the tournament so far. It started last Saturday and uh today was day number three. So we got sixteen more shows to go. <laughs> uh so I'll keep, I'll uh, I'll be updating you guys as the weeks go on as the G1 climax concludes in the middle of October and you know Time goes by fast when you're having fun. So um I think about that and before you know it, it'll be in the middle of October. And just think about it, we are twenty four episodes away uh from reaching three hundred editions of the Hoots podcast. And I think in totality I think I've probably done over five hundred or almost five or six hundred wrestling type of shows since I started doing this uh when I was eighteen. Um Nine years of broadcasting is wild to think about But I'm here It's been a fun ride, to say the least So, uh, again, thank you for the support this is your first time listening to Who's Podcast I want you guys to know that this show has the feel of a back porch conversation I want you to feel like I'm sitting next to you And we're talking about professional wrestling It's not your dirt sheet It's not your... Sports center rip off knockout version of a wrestling talk show. Uh, we, we get into mental health. Talk about sports. We talk, talk, talk about comedy. He uh, get edgy at times. Uh, I'm, you guys, for those who know me, know that I'm not. Uh, I'm, I have no filter, and uh, I can get loose with the tongue sometimes. But um, all in all, I want you guys to have a positive experience with the show and what it represents. And that's just a show that. We could be ourselves, express what we like and dislike, uh, but also remind ourselves that Rusty is the greatest art form in the world, and, and we shouldn't take it for granted. So uh, welcome, everybody, to the Hoots Podcast. is your first time listening to the show, and we appreciate the support. All right, let's get to the Good Brothers Q&A session. Uh, it's going to be a little brief this week. I didn't get too many questions, but I did get uh, questions from Chris and Nate this week. So I'm going to go over those questions with you guys. And then uh, towards the end of this bit here, I'm going to be revealing some things I've been uh, thinking about over the last couple of weeks. Um, like I said, it's your first time listening to the show. Uh, we get personal here. I, I hold nothing back. Uh, this is very uh, a show that's very open to discussions of mental health and stuff like that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today uh, towards the end of this segment. So let's get to it. Here we go. As always, if you want to participate in the Good Brothers Q&A, all you have to do is send me a question, whether it's on Twitter at Josh Media, on here on Facebook, or you can email me, thehootspodcast at gmail.com. So we're going to start off with the Good Brother Chris Letta, as we always do. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at XteensTheLetta24x on Twitter. He says, what up, loose Here's some questions for the Q&A this week. Mandy Rose, the blonde. Or the brunette, do we have ourselves a tie? (laughs) Oh, that's a good question. Um, As I told uh, the good brother Sam Pioppo uh, last night, it's good that Central Florida got an upgrade in the waterfall department. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go with Mandy Rose uh, as the brunette. I know that might be shocking to some people, but... Uh, I think Mandy Rose with this current look that she has right now, with the toxic attraction at NXT 2.0 is mamma mia. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I, I won't go as far as saying that Niagara Falls is jealous of Mandy Rose right now with her current look, but it's getting up there. <laughs> it's, uh, I'll go with Brunette. That's a good question, though. Uh, let's see if I got anything here in the chat box here. Um, next question. A fee. Ooh, okay. A female mock draft for the draft for both Raw and SmackDown. Oh God. Okay. Let's <laughs> uh, let's do a little fancy booking with Joshie, Okay. So, I'm gonna go. I gotta pull up the roster here. <laughs> To do this properly, um, that, that's a great question and it's a good idea. I'm glad you asked this. It's good to add some stuff to the podcast. Um, I'm going to do strictly Raw and SmackDown just so we don't get confused. Uh, I would like to add some people for NXT, but no, nah, gonna keep us to Raw and SmackDown, okay? So we're going to do 10 for each brand, okay? So I'd love to hear the list of the current performance currently added to the active Raw SmackDown rosters in WWE. By the way, shout-out to Becky Lynch, a.k.a. another Lopez in the block. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we're going to start off with Raw. I'll keep the champions as they are right now. So Charlotte and Becky will be my first two picks. Uh, Keeping it there. As far as raw is concerned, this is what how my raw roster would look like. Okay, we got Charlotte Flair, we have Natalia, Liv Morgan, Tegan Knox, Tony Storm, uh Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans. Oscar and Nikki Cross, okay? And then SmackDown, I got Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, obviously, as I mentioned before, uh, Carmella, Alexa Bliss, Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair, obviously, can't forget about her, Shotzi Blackheart, Naomi, she's there right now, so it's the right choice to keep her there. Uh, I said Jocelyn Blackheart already. Bailey, whenever she comes back, so there's a nice added fit. And then uh, I, I like Selena Vega on SmackDown, so you can keep her on there as well. So uh, and then it's fine between Nia Jax and Tamina. Uh <laughs> Flip rolls. No, let's have Nia Jax on Raw. Let's keep her as uh, far away from Shane Baszler as possible. So uh, let's keep Nia on Raw, and then we'll do Zemita on SmackDown. So, yeah, I think that'll work. That'll work, pal. (laughs) Okay, so next question we got here on the podcast is a few weeks away. Wow, we're a few weeks away from the MLB playoffs. Who gets in in both the NL and AL? Great question, brother. So I'm going to look at the current standings here uh, as it's on ESPN.com. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Rays already clinched uh, their division. They are the AL East um, champions. So things won't change there. I think my White Sox will win the Central sooner or later once they get their head out of their ass and start winning some games on the road. Um, Astros will take the West. Um, As far as the wild card, aren't they doing like three wild cards or something like that? Um, Okay. I'll, I'll go with the Red Sox and the Yankees to get the two wild card spots. There And then if there's an extra one, I don't know how the playoff format is going to be. I'll do Red Sox, Yankees, and then let's just say the Mariners get that last one, that last wild card spot. Okay. And then the NL, I have the Braves winning out of the East. Brewers already won the division in the central, so they got that locked. Uh same thing applies with the Dodgers. Um Dodgers and Giants both have clinched playoff spots. So right now I it looks like the Dodgers will hold in and um get one of the wildcard spots, obviously. You got to say it right now. You know, as much hype as the Padres got going into the season about Manny Machado and I had to have people rubbed in my face, I can't believe your White Sox tra- traded Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> has hasn't really made much of a fucking difference. <laughs> They're not making the playoffs this year. <laughs> um I'd probably say the Cardinals and the Phillies will try to find a way to sneak into the playoffs as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, obviously the AL is very top-heavy, and then I think when it comes to the National League, it's so dominated by the NL West that um, I'm not saying that's predictable, but I wouldn't be surprised if either anybody from San Francisco or the Dodgers make it to the World Series or win the NL pennant. So – that's where my headset at. Those, those are the teams that right now I can see can make the playoffs of. that That's a good question. I, I can't believe uh, the postseason is starting so soon. Like, can you guys believe it? It's already going to be October uh, next Friday. Mama mia. Okay, next question. When do you think Heyman Page returns? Great question. I probably say, isn't there a dynamite coming up in Virginia coming up soon? Whenever that show is, I don't have the specific date, but I do remember them plugging it. Whenever the Virginia show is for Dynamite, is when Hangman Page will make his return. You heard it right here, first on the Who's Podcast. Okay, next question: Do you think Braun Breaker should turn on to Maso Champa? Should, could have, would have? Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I'll just say it's probably inedible. I got to tell you, man, I'm very impressed by braun Breaker. I, I'm going to talk about him a little later on in the WWE segment so I give you my early thoughts on NXT 2.0. But I feel like Braun Breaker right now is doing some good work uh, for his limited experience. And... I, you know, to have a proper view like that to start off the game with this new iteration of X, I think it's a good thing. So, I it's probably a good case scenario, Chris. That that probably will happen. Uh, I can see that happening for sure. Next question: Was last night's the best? Was last night the best we've seen in Omega in AEW? Uh, As far as in-ring work, I'd probably say yes. Uh, I did like the match he had with Pac more, uh, the two out of three falls match. um, No, the Iron Man match he had with Pac more than this match with uh, Daniel Bryan. But uh, recently, in 2021, yes, this is the best we've seen Omega uh, in AEW. Uh, still doesn't change the fact that some of the things that continue that goes on with him and the the goof the goof squad, which I'll get into later on. But yes, uh, I was impressed with what he did last night. Last question for Chris here. He says rumor is AW is working on a secondary title for the women's division. Good or bad idea? Hmm. I don't feel like they have so many like established stars from the female division to constitute it having another title division. Now, they are making the transition to TBS next year. I did see the thing on Twitter about the TBS TV title for the ladies. And I'm not opposed to the women eventually having a second title, but outside of Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa and <laughs> – free ages that you could lump in, like, who else out there? Uh, I, I Obviously, you got Jay Cargill, Layla Hurst, but you got – I just mentioned five people, but outside of those five right now of the current, like, crop of major female wrestlers in AW, like, who else do you actually believe would be a champion or TV champion at the time? Uh, that's, I think it's kind of too soon to drop in a TV title for the ladies. Now, if you were going to say, should the females in WWE have a TV title on this show? Yes, uh, I do, because I think it's more beneficial for WWE to have a female's TV title as opposed to the women's tag team titles they have right now in WWE. Um, I just think it's a little too soon. To be honest with you, I, I think down the road, yeah, it would be a cool idea to have a TV time for the ladies on AEW. I just think it's important when they roll out. If this is something that's dropping in a month or two or whatever, I think it's a bad idea. I think they should hold that off to next year. That's just my opinion, but uh, I, I just think a little bit too much too soon with that. Uh, they, I feel like they need to do a little bit more establishing of their homegrown Female talent, as opposed to, oh, here's Ruby Soho. Here's our next free agent to satiate our divisions and stuff like that. And I'm not gonna get into it right now, but you you get my point, though, Chris. Right? uh Great questions this week, brother. I appreciate you. All right, next batch of questions this week comes from the good brother Nate the Great. Make sure to follow me Twitter at Psychomagiri as always. Big regards to you, my man, and the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, really shitty way to lose the game to the Cardinals last week. <laughs> I feel for you, brother. Uh, how do you feel about option C in impact and Josh Alexander getting the next crack at Christian? Should be a good match, but always seems like lazy storytelling to me, like amnesia in a movie. I don't, I want to go that far, Nate. Um, is it lazy? I mean, it's basically option c for impact is basically um their impacts money in the bank now that's the thing though like I think they had like a x cup thing or something they used to do and they had the old option c option into the old t uh impact some days I think about this like. Yes, yeah, so I think Josh Alexander getting the opportunity to fight Christian Cage is really cool uh, at Bound for Glory. I think that's awesome. Josh Alexander is one of my favorite uh, performers to transcribe uh, in Impact, not only in Impact, but in wrestling in general. It's very easy to process. and It makes it a enjoyable experience for you. Uh, he's a really tremendous wrestler. And I think it's a good idea that a homegrown guy is getting to fight Christian for the Impact World title and Bound for Glory. Um, but I I, I just think it'd be a little stretch to say it's lazy storytelling. I, I <laughs> that's just gets to those uh, buzzwords that I talk about each week. Uh, I mean, maybe to you it feels like lazy storytelling, but to me it's like, hey, Josh sanders the exhibition champion. He has it. he has it in his right to cash in on option C when he wants to. Now this is just something that they do. Multiple times throughout the year because they can't find interesting programs for the Impact World Title. So, oh, here you go. Here's your exhibition champion. Here's his shot at the world title. Then I think we'll get into the lazy uh, portion of that. Next question Do you like the direction of NXT Tutorial seems to be heading so far? Yes, I do. Uh, nay, I have enjoyed it so far. I'll explain a little bit more about that in the WWE segment. But yes, I have enjoyed it so far. Next question. I asked about great matches a month ago. Now I have to ask the opposite. What makes a bad match to you? Oh, what makes a bad match bad to you? Okay, uh, <laughs> that's an interesting question, man. I, I really, I really try my best to be respectful and. Try to learn something new with each show that I cover, and I've noticed a lot of trends in wrestling matches. It's not just one promotion doing it over another; it's just overall. And I, I for me, I really try my best to not get to the point where like I'm jaded or I feel like I'm coming off as an old timer or anything like that. I'm not old. I mean, I I just turned twenty seven a few months ago. I'm not, I'm not old, old or ever. But I'm also not. Young and like, oh, get off, uh, stop being a, a what they call a boomer or something like that? I don't know what the young kids say these days. Uh, but anyways, I think for me what makes a bad match bad is just doing moves for the sake of doing moves. Uh, and it, it takes a lot for me to pull, it takes a lot to pull something out of me while I'm transcribing the match because... I feel like a lot of times there's a lot of paint-by-numbers matches where I can watch the match for what it is, just type out the moves, and I have no feeling to it at all. Like today, I did Kenta and Yujiro Takahashi. These guys are two guys at Bullet Club. They had their paint-by-numbers match. You had your signature insecurities. Everybody, everybody in wrestling does a haluba kick now. It, I just feel like a lot of the paint-by-numbers aspects of wrestling matches is what I feel it comes off as bad. Now, the one that I did today with Kenta, usual, was not bad. It was a good match, but it's not, it's not, it's, it's, it was something that didn't pull anything out of me emotionally. It was just a match. It was a competitive match. It was what it was. Um, now, bad matches uh, <laughs> is... A lot of the AEW tag team matches, and I, I know I'm gonna get a lot of flack for it, but I really don't give a shit. Um, I just call spade spade. The AEW tag matches give me nausea, and it's the over utilization of punch, tag, elbow, tag, uh, gagging up on a guy in a corner for 50, uh, for uh, five minutes in the corner. Making the referee look stupid without holding a tag rope at the same time. There's one thing from cutting the ring in half, and then there's watching matches like the Young Bucks and these eight man tags and these 10 man tags, or what we're going to see on Rampage this weekend, where we have, um, what was it, Adam Cole, the Young Bucks against um, Christian Cage and the Jungle Express. Like, you're watching, I already know that match is going to be a fucking spot fest. <laughs> And I feel bad for Christian because he's probably the only guy in the ring that actually knows how to have a proper tag team match. So I think what makes a bad match bad is those AEW tag matches. They, there's nothing to it from a storytelling point of view. It's just moves, and it makes the referees look stupid. So that would probably be the one example I would use as far as a match being bad. It's just moves. It's not good. It's not great. It's it's just there, and you're doing a bunch of shit for absolutely no reason and having sloppy brawls after it. So it's it's obviously my least favorite uh, match to do because it's the one I do the most throughout the week, and that's just my opinion. What's up, Brownie? Thanks for checking out the video, my man. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, I I can't stand the AEW tag taxi matches. I and, and then you have what is it, Lucha Brothers and Santana Ortiz against the Hardy Family Office. Yeah, I'm sure the referees are gonna be look made the made to look uh good in that match, right? Like it, it's just that stuff that irks the shit out of me. You know, and also here's another thing too. If you guys are going to do... If everybody in wrestling, male and female... And I see a lot of this at AEW Dark. If you're going to do forearm exchanges... Lay your shit in. Okay? Lay your shit in. Don't do a forearm exchange... If it's soft as fucking my pillow. okay, Like... I'm really tired of seeing Sloppy for our it It look at this. Mm-hmm. 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 Like, you gotta lay it in. And I know that a lot of the AEW matches like to lay it out like New Japan, because Tony Khan's a big Meltzer mark, and he's doing everything he can to impress Meltzer, so he has a lot of New Japan influences and in in-ring work of the show. But if you're going to do a forum exchange, watch Ishii and Suzuki to see what a forearm exchange looks like. Don't do a forum exchange just sort the sake of like, hey, I, I, I'm in a dirt cheap company. I did a forearm exchange. I did a punk kick, and I did an insigiri. So my work is done. Do something to make yourself stand out. And if you're going to do a forearm exchange, actually make it look good. <laughs> That's just what I'm saying. So yeah, those are the little things to me that I I noticed that turns me off to the shows. All right. Next question. Let me pull this up here. Uh what is more important? Wins and losses or moments? Moments. Moments. I mean You look at Shawn Michaels losing to The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25 and WrestleMania 26. His legacy is not affected by the fact that his last two marquee matches at WrestleMania were losses. One was the greatest wrestling match in the history of WrestleMania, and the second one ended his career. It's about moments. It's about telling a story. It's not about wins and losses. It's not at the end of the day. A lot of the stuff that goes on to the shows, unless it's a major pay-per-view, a lot of it is, has to do with plot points to get to one aspect of the story to the next level. It's plot points. It's all part of this journey to get to this culmination point of whether it's a big pay-per-view, a big TV special, you tell the story at the end of the day. It's not about the wins and losses. You can watch any wrestling promotion throughout the world, and they'll show you that wins and losses don't matter. Like, look at Okada and Will Ospreay from Wrestle Kingdom uh, this past year. A classic. Osprey lost, but you feel like Osprey is one of the marquee major players in New Japan, right? Look at Abushi um, won the won the G one last year. Lost his opportunity due to Jay White, and uh, before the King came around, and found a way back to win the uh, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. It's not about the the wins and losses. It's the moments and the journey you take to getting that win at the end of the day, in that moment. It's not, oh, I lost on Raw or SmackDown, so now I'm buried. Or, oh, I'm I'm going on a losing streak on Impact, so now I got to turn heel. It's not about that. Case in point, last night, you watched last night, AEW Dynamite, Kenny Omega, Kenny Olivier, and Brian Dayson had a great match, and it ended in a draw, and it left you wanting more. I'm not going to come, I'm, when I do what the hell is wrong with AEW later on, I'm not going to go on a soapbox about the match ending in the draw, because you guys know me, I really don't give a shit about the bookie stuff. If I if it's something that I'm watching or transcribing a wrestling match and either I want to see more of that or it's a match that really benefited both guys, that's the takeaway that I want at the end of the day. And that's how I view things. It's not about who went over, who lost, et cetera, et cetera, or how the finish came off. Is this something that I want to see more of? Or is it something that is so consequential that was mutually beneficial for both guys at the end of the match? That's how I view uh, wrestling. So so to me, it's not about the wins and losses. It's about the moments and the story that you're telling within your programs. So that's a good question, though. Last one for Nate here. He says, excuse me, he says... um, would you be okay if Punk lost on Friday? I I wouldn't be upset about it. Um, I think C. A. Punk again. It's another example about the wins and losses. I I think C. a Punk uh, as who he is right now at like AEW supersedes whatever power ranking system that they have at AEW, as much as it's ridiculous to me that they have a ranking system when they say they're a sports-based company, then you have rushing uh, Brian Dancer into the title pitcher, you're already giving Ruby Soho a chance to innovate your big show at the author as they give three weeks into the company. It, it, it just comes off hypocritical to me. You know, so when I look at Punk, he's not going for talents right now. He's trying to help the younger guys and get a name for themselves and work with the younger talent. I think that's a cool thing. Uh, Would I be upset if Punk lost on Friday? No. It just would be how they go about it and stuff like that. So it wouldn't bother me. But that's a good question, guys. Um, I want to thank Nate and Chris for the awesome questions this week. the last part here, at, right away, shout-out to Nate and Chris. Make sure to follow on Twitter. They're also guys. They do a great job of supporting this podcast each and every single week, so you can follow Nate at Twitter at PsychoDegary. Follow Chris at Twitter uh, at, at XCZLed24X. Um, if you want to participate in this q session, all you ever have to do is uh, hit me up on Twitter at Josh Media. hit me up on Facebook, or email us podcast at gmail.com. And the last part of this Q&A session this week I'm going to talk about is something that I've been um, thinking about over the last couple of weeks. And I'm about, you know, owning and embracing your mental health and embracing your depression and stuff like that. And um, I'll be honest with you guys, um, outside of everything... You know, work wise and, you know, having my own apartment and stuff like that. All that to the side, I'm really happy and very fortunate for what I have right now in my life. I'm not going to come on here and complain about anything like that. I'm very grateful for what I have right now. I'm grateful for the career I have right now. Um, I'm grateful for the living situation I'm in right now. Uh, I really have nothing to complain about from that point of view. Um, for me personally, though, um, I feel a little bit of, I feel a bit incomplete right now within my heart. Uh, And it's been, um, it's been three months since uh, I cut ties with Lauren and I haven't talked to her since then. And it's... um, little things are starting to creep back in my head. Uh, I don't know if it's feelings or uh, it, it's a lot of it. So I'm going to try to come in here and explain what I'm feeling so I can be honest with you guys and just speak from the heart. Um, and I, I feel like I should give myself more credit for how I've been handling this since everything's gone down since my last trip in Oviedo. Um, but to be honest with you, I just feel lost without her. Um, from a personal point of view, like I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, I have everything that I could want. Uh, I got the job I want. I'm happy with what I'm doing in my career. It's not affecting me personally with working a lot or doing stuff like that. I'm, I'm very happy and grateful for the job I have. I'm grateful for the apartment that I have. I'm grateful for the relationships that I have now with my my mom and my dad. You know, uh, I'm grateful for what I have right now. But I, I'll be honest with you, when it comes to just me. I'm not not bugged down by my career right now. I feel like I'm on the right path. Uh, I'm doing things the right way. Uh, I have a killer fucking podcast that I do every week, and I'm very fortunate to share that with you guys each week. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have the website where the transcripts are uh, getting out there, and I got a great – group of friends and good brothers and good sisters who support my work and I could be more thankful and appreciative for every single one of you uh, for giving me this platform to express myself to you guys and I think that's very important to me because you know Thursday is my favorite day of the week because this is my chance to just let set set myself free uh, for the thoughts that I have in my head when I'm not on air and For me, I feel like I've done a good job and I should give myself more credit for how I've handled this situation since uh, the middle of June when I came back from Albedo. And I just feel like I'm lost without her. And I don't know if I should be feeling this way, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I don't think a lot of you guys understand the full impact that she had on me. And uh, a lot of it just stands for the person she is, and um I feel completely empty uh and incomplete from a personal point of view without her in my life she her support for what I do with this has meant a lot to me uh, in more than more ways you could ever know in more ways than my own family uh her being my rock in support system with this has really meant a lot to me, and that's something that i've missed uh since we stopped talking and everything that I said when I came back it still remains true i'm not I'm not taking back anything that I said is need to be said, but that's the thing that when you let some you let someone go that you actually love this is the part of this process that sucks. This is the part of the process that hurts, you know. I didn't I didn't want it to get to this point, but it did. And I'm not I'm not beating myself up over it. I, I like again I feel like I stood my ground. I had to regain my self respect and dignity. And I feel like I've done that, but that doesn't mean that there's still a part of me that misses hearing her voice and talking to her and making her laugh. I'm just being honest and, you know, past judgment or whatever is cool. Uh, nobody's gonna be harder on me than myself. There's really nothing you guys can say about it. For those who do know the situation, I think you guys can understand where I'm coming from with this. Um, but I'm not seeking affirmation or approval from anybody. I'm just speaking from the heart right now. And this is what we do here in the podcast. And I'm just being honest with you. I try I really try my best to be keep myself even keel and not let things personally bubble over or fester or stuff like that, and I try to be even keel and just have a good time, be, go, happy, good, lucky Joshi and just be in good spirits, right? But uh, for me, I feel a lot of my life personally outside of this and what I'm doing right now is incomplete without her. And if you're listening to this, Lauren, I miss you more than you ever know and it's one say that so it sucks I, I i don't know if it's some type of sign that i've been getting recently from god or something like that but i've been having a lot of these feelings creep back in my head over the last couple of weeks and uh this part of the process where uh it hurts you let go right you everybody tells you, you let go that's the hardest part of this process is like I, when I recently talked about the situation when I came back, it's like you can't dictate when to let someone go or how that process goes or healing. I feel like I have healed, I have healed, but also part of me still misses her in ways that supersedes any sexual or any type of feeling from that point of view. I just miss her presence as a person in my life. I miss the communication. I miss the conversations. I miss being there for her to pick her up when she was feeling down. I just miss having her in my life. And I think what gets lost in a lot of this, what gets lost in the totality of everything that's going on is that when you open your heart to somebody and they reject you or whatever situation, or you have a falling out with somebody you fall in love with? Is that it's not, the, the at least for me, the justice and the foundation of why I have those feelings for her, it's not just because of how she looks or anything like that. It's just who she was as a person and how she affected me. And I feel like in my heart, I feel lost without her. And, um, I mean, I, I can't be more open or honest than that. So, it's been bothering me over the last couple of days, it really has. And I'm not afraid to admit it, I I got nothing to run from it. It is what it is. Um, I still have a life to live. Um, I, I have to give myself credit for how strong I've kept myself during this time period because it hasn't been easy. Um, it's been three months, and I no, I don't know if I'll ever hear from her again. But if you if you are listening to this, Lauren, just know that I miss you and that um, I'll still be here here for you no matter what. So, anyways, thank you guys for checking out this video. And thank you guys so much for checking out this week's edition of The Good Verse Cube Name. When we come back, I'll recap what happened this week in the world of WWE right here on Who's Podcast. Yes, sir.
2: You know who went too far, though, was Edge. Edge went too far because he's a family man. He knew the risks. He knew the consequences, and he still got in the ring with me. And you know who's really to blame? Honestly, who's really to blame? Oh, look to your right, look to the left, (laughs) look in the mirror. You're to blame for what happened to Edge. Yes, you are to blame, because this entire time, you goaded Edge into goading me. You don't believe me? Hey, you remember when Edge called me Edge Light? You remember that? What did you guys do when he called me Edge Light? What What did you do? What did you do? Yeah, you cheered, right? Ha. Don't be shy. Don't be shy now. Oh wait, wait. What? What about when he? What about when he dumped black gunk on my head, ruined my three thousand dollars suit? What did you guys do then, huh? I actually felt sorry for you, and that feeling has been eating me alive in the back of my brain for the past week and I cannot live with myself feeling sorry for someone like you I gotta move on I gotta move on edge and I can't do that till I finish you so this ends one of two ways you hole up in your little cabin I come find you I beat the life out of you in front of your family You crawl your way back to this ring, man. And we dance one more time. For my own sanity, I have to finish you one way or another.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Hoots Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. Insert comments right there from Seth Rollins from this past week's edition of Friday Night SmackDown. Hope you guys are having a wonderful week. Ready to go over what happened this week in WWE, as we usually do here on the Hoops Podcast. And uh this could be more of an abbreviated version as far as like recapping Raw and SmackDown and stuff. Not that the shows were bad this week, I thought both shows were pretty good. Uh, but also I want to spend some time and make predictions for rules that uh that contains extreme elements to it. No. <laughs> so we're gonna be doing that um at the bottom portion of bottom portion of this segment here. As always, I want to start off and go backwards and talk about what happened on SmackDown. First get against Raw and stuff like that. Seth Rollins' promo this week was phenomenal. And to the point that I had to share it with you guys uh, leading into the semi this week. It's one of those things where I always see people talking about, oh, WWE doesn't sh- tell stories and stuff like that. And a lot of it just goes over your head because there's a lot of people that hate watching the product and there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, are so bogged down by the overconsumption of WWE program and the stuff that they produce that a lot of stuff goes over their head. Like, I, I hear the guy Dipperstein from GP all the time oh, WWE doesn't tell storytellers. Well, uh, listen to Sephiroth's promo last week and tell me there's not storytelling in WWE. Then we go, of course, to the tribal chief and, you know, we're all in the island of relevancy, right? And we had uh, Roman <laughs> had Paul Heyman tell everybody that uh, everybody's afraid of Roman Reigns, that Brock Lesnar fears Roman Reigns, and, it, and Finn Balor uh, is afraid of Roman Reigns because if he wasn't afraid of Roman Reigns, then he wouldn't have to tap into his inner demons, if you will, uh, to... Um, uh, challenge for Marines for the Universal Championship this Sunday at Extreme Rules, which is going to be an awesome match. Uh, they did announce that Roman and Finn Bauer will be an Extreme Rules match, so expect a lot of shenanigans in it. Uh, so, anyways. Yeah, I thought SmackDown was just a solid show for Top to Bottom. I, I, I enjoyed uh, the stuff, uh, getting to see like t- Tony Storm and um, Lynn Morgan team with each other was pretty cool. That's a pretty good waterfall tag team. But uh, we did find out that Lynn Morgan will be fighting Carmella at Extreme Rules. So it looks like their mini feud is coming to an end on Sunday. And uh, could end quicker. (laughs) Um, What else? Becky Lynch ruining Bianca Belair's homecoming celebration in Knoxville. I thought it was interesting. Cool to see uh, Brother Carter on the show. On Friday, let's not see the director of operations in the house. Should I call Brent Carter, Mayor Carter? That's a good question. Mayor Derek or Mayor Carter? Uh, Let's go with Mayor uh, Derek. I think that's a better option. (laughs) Uh, Anyways. Yeah, so it was nice to see Kane on the program this week uh, to honor Bianca Belair. I thought that was a cool step in all in all, so I'm looking forward to that match. Well, I just thought SmackDown was good as far as, like, they didn't have to do too much. Like, I'm already sold on the SmackDown programs that are going to be featured at Extreme Rules on Sunday. A lot of this, especially what goes on tomorrow night, it's more just plot points and getting into the show. I think I'm already sold with most of the match programs for SmackDown that's heading into Extreme Rules. Now, let's talk a little bit about Raw. Raw started off this week with Biggie's title celebration. And, you know, Biggie uh, thanked the crowd, thanked everybody that supported him along his way, even when people were chatting, New Day sucks at him. Uh, he sent a special shout out to Brody Lee, which got everybody emotional, it got me a little misty eyed as well. Uh, it was a great promo. And then we got into the New Day against the Bloodline on Monday Night Raw, which is just. Phenomenal match um, and It's just really interesting to see Tag matches where referees Are respected and it Still can go off without a hitch uh, That match was fucking awesome uh, I thought this week on Raw was a really really strong show I think this may be the first Raw show That I enjoyed more than Smackdown As a uh, weekly show In a while uh, This Raw was fantastic uh, We had the Bloodline Beat uh, the new day needs to do help from Bobby Lashley. I thought they did a really good job making Bobby Lashley look good coming off of losing the title last week. Um, of course, Randy Orton and AJ Styles never had bad matches, so I thought that was great as well. Uh, Sheamus and Jeff Hardy was a fun one to watch. Jeff Hardy beat Sheamus, which kind of surprised me. Now it'll be Sheamus against Jeff Hardy, uh, no, it'll be Damian Priest putting his U.S. title on the line against. Jeff Hardy, and Sheamus in a triple threat match at Extreme Rules. So, even though there's not a lot of hardcore matches announced for this pay-per-view on Sunday, remember, there's no rules in a triple threat match, so you'll see weapons in this match. So, don't worry about that uh, too much. Um, What else? Oh, of course. (laughs) Charlotte Flair and Alexa Bliss. I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again this week. Somebody put an APV out for Brian Alvarez because this dude swores on his dying world that nobody cares about this program. Alexa Bliss is turning away viewers. What was it this week for Seltzer that people were walking out of the arena during this segment that he had a number of people that walked out? Like, if you guys haven't figured out that Dave Seltzer, Brian Alvarez are full shit. I, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> I, I really don't. I really don't. So <laughs> they try to say face by saying people are indifferent or turn away from the segment. Yet it was one of the best segments on the show. It's been one of the best programs going into Extreme Rules on Sunday, and I I loved it. I I thought it was a really really good segment. We got new Raw Tag Team Champions in Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. They defeated Natalia and Tamita. We saw Shayna Baszler take Nia Jax out of action for a while. So uh, much to the... Uh, no, not it's not much. Uh, it's to the pleasure of uh, the good brother Sampia, but we don't have to see uh, Nia Jax on television. But anyways, I hope she recovers from her elbow injury. That did not look good. And then... That was pretty much it. Uh, I mean, of course, I can't be remiss without mentioning the barn burner triple threat main event with um, Roman Biggie and Bobby Lashley. I say it all the time. Nobody lays out triple threat matches better than the WWE. Uh, from a psychology, just how they map out triple threat matches, whether it's tags, triple threats, whatever it. Nobody lays out a better triple threat match than the WWE, especially right now. Uh, That match was off the fucking charts, and I love seeing that again down the road, but Roman Reigns is the Tribal Chief. He's the end-all, be-all. He is the head of the table, and he was acknowledged on Monday Night Raw this past Monday in Raleigh, North Carolina, so that was my thoughts on that. Really quick, a lot of people have been asking me what's my thoughts on the new layout of NXT, NXT 2.0. I'll tell you right now, I dig the vibe. Um, I don't know about you, but not that I'm souring on Vic Joseph, but something feels off. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if he's the right fit as the play-by-play guy for that type of show that they're presenting right now. I don't know. Something just feels off. Uh, it's nothing, it's not a knock on him personally. I, I really like Vic Joseph, and I, th- I think it was dumb for them to remove him off the booth when he was calling Raw. But the sterile Michael Cole style of commentary, uh, I just don't think meshes well with this new NXT. I think it needs a different vibe to it. Uh, I think Vic, I, I, I think uh, Wade and Beth. Really compliment each other well. And I like when they go back and forth with each other. I think that's cool. But something just feels off a little bit. Uh, with Vic Joseph behind the booth on NXT. Um, let's see. This week was really good. I, I I thought this week's edition of NXT was really good. The fact that they're implementing and showcasing a lot of new talent. That we have to get adjusted to and get to know. And the cool thing about it. It's not just new wrestlers that just do wrestling moves. We're getting different characters. Uh, We're getting guys like Odyssey Jones on the show. We got uh, this guy, Tony DiAngelo, who I guess uh, comes from the Chicago Bob family. Uh, We got Andre Chase. (laughs) Uh, That guy's amazing. Hey, did somebody say Andre Chase? I think he's probably be my new favorite. I, he, he has the Andre Chase University kind of reminds me of the Drew Gulak uh, presentation uh, PowerPoint presentations on Two Five Live. If if Andre Chase does a crash course on tag team wrestling and respecting referees and holy tag ropes, I'm gonna die laughing. Um, I thought that was really cool. Uh, I mentioned earlier the Toxic Attraction, uh, Mandy Rose, uh, JC Jane, and Gigi Dolan. It's a good pairing. They'll be fighting Zoe Sark and uh, Io Shirai for the Tag Team Toss next week on NXT. Speaking of the championships, we have a new uh, Cruiserweight Champion in Roderick Strong, who defeated Kushida in a very good match. Uh, looks like Diamond, uh, Diamond Miner um, looking pretty damn impressive, to say the least, so far on uh, TV. So, that's that's a good look there, and then we had the uh, main event of Tommaso Ciampa and Brock Breaker against uh, Pete Dunn, Peter Dune and uh, Rich Holland. That was a pretty good match as well. So I, I really think the vibe of AT 2.0 is a different vibe. You got your Carmel Hayes the world. We got Hit Row and Legada del Fantasma. Kind of gang warfare, you know, factions against factions. I just like the vibe so far that I see from XE. You still got your Cameron Grimes in the world. You still got Johnny Gargano. Next week, we're going to see the Dexter Lumis Indy Hartwell honeymoon. I like the fact that you get a little touch of of what NXT was beforehand with the good wrestling matches, but you're still, and you, you still see some of the same guys like the Grizzly and veterans Ember uh, Moon still around. A lot of the roster, while there's a lot of new people coming in and their vignettes and stuff like that. You still have a lot of people from NXT that haven't gone anywhere. So, I wouldn't fret too much from that point of view, but I, I like the new elements that I see from NXT uh, and I think it's really cool. And, The song that they have from Wale is pretty badass too, so I gotta say that as well. Um, Anyways, let's get to um, some predictions, if you will, for Extreme Rules coming up on Sunday. No. I think Liv Morgan will defeat Carmella. I got the Usos retaining over the Street Profits. Charlotte Flair retains over Alexa Bliss. Uh, Same thing with Damon Priest. I think he retains. I'll be curious to see if they add a stipulation to Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch on, uh, on Extreme Rules uh, tomorrow night on SmackDown. I can see two things happening here. It could be somewhere where... It could be a, a tables match, maybe. I could see that, possibly. It could be somewhere where it's... Um, This your it made this the other extreme rules match on the show um, with interference. But I also would not rule out this. You know, there's been a lot of reports that Sasha Banks has been uh, behind the scenes over the last couple weeks. And while she hasn't been used on the show, she has. I I have a sneaky suspicion that Sasha Banks could find her way, sneak her way into this, and cause that match to end in the no contest. Just throwing it out there. As a scenario, if they do a tables match, fine. You can find a way to make make it where Bianca doesn't look bad. But I, th- I do still think at the end of the day, Becky Lynch will still remain your SmackDown Women's Champion. So I don't see much change from there. But you look at this car, man. It's not bad. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for it. I think the Usos and the Street Profits are going to tear it up. Obviously, you got the main event here, uh, the Tribal Chief against uh, Finn Balor. I think Roman Reigns retains here. Uh, it's going to be an awesome match. Uh, awesome title match on the, on the show. It's going to be pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to it. So we've got six matches announced. I'm sure a couple more will be added to the card on Sunday. But I am transcribing it on com, So go check that out. And then finally, uh, today we have NXT UK. I always like to uh, give a little plug to my favorite WWE show of the week, NXT UK, which uh, drops every Thursday following this prog- prog- <laughs> broadcast. Um, and let's see what's on the docket today for NXT UK. Pulling it up right here. Just give me one second. You know, cool thing about NXT UK is just it has something for everybody. And I just really love the format of the show. But today's NXT UK is a barn burner for for sure. Not only do we have Wolfgang and Teal Man uh, in the semifinals of the Heritage Cup number 1 Contenders Tournament. But today we have A-Kid against Rampage Brown against Nathan Frazier in a triple threat match. The winner will become the number one contender for Iliad Dragunov's NXT UK Championship. That match is going to be insane. (laughs) And then also we'll have Ginny accompanied by Joseph Connors. Yes, Joseph Connors is on the program this week. Joseph Connors um, is aligned with Ginny. They have a little pairing right now. But it'll, today it'll be Ginny against Isla Dawn, so that'll be your female match on the show. So another stacked edition of NXT UK. It's my favorite show that WWE produces each week, and today should be no different. A Kid, Nathan Frazier, and Rampage round in a triple threat match. Mama mia, that's gonna be a barn burner. Speaking of barn burners, we gotta get to our next segment. When I come back. I'm going to give you my first report of the G1 Climax in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Right here on the Hoots Podcast. Alright, welcome back everybody to the Hoots Podcast. Before we get to our main event segment this week, I want to go over our first G1 Climax 31 report of 2021. We're going to do this weekly as the G1 continues. I just finished... Day three of the G1 Climax Tournament today was an eight-block show coming out of Ota. Um, Ota City, Japan. Uh, it's uh, the Ota City uh, General Gymnasium, per se. And really cool. Before I get to the the scoreboards and the standings and everything that's going on, I first would like to mention that my thoughts go out to Tetsuya Naito, who had to withdraw from the G1 this year due to a... Uh, in, uh injury to his left meniscus and uh, has some ligament issues and uh very fortunate injury that Naito suffered on night one in his match against Zach Sanchez Jr., which was a phenomenal match, but um, it, uh, sucks to see that Naito uh, got injured. That's a big loss, not only for the G1 this tour, but Uh, just New Japan in general. You hate to see where your top guys go out with an injury like that, so my thoughts go out to Naito and hope he has a quick and speedy recovery. Secondly, I want to mention, uh, it's really awesome to hear Kevin Kelly back at ringside in Japan calling these shows with Chris Charlton. They've done a wonderful job these last three broadcasts. Uh, They'll be back tomorrow for the B-Block show uh, in the same venue, and then um, they go to Kobe on Sunday for a block show before Extreme Rules. But um, yeah, it's been really cool to hear Kevin Kelly back on the booth in, in Japan at ringside. It's been a long time coming, but Kevin Kelly's the fucking man. I love hearing his commentary on these shows. and he's a, He does a wonderful job. So it's really cool to hear Kevin Kelly back where he belongs at ringside at a New Japan Pro Wrestling event. So let's go over what's gone on over the last couple of days. Uh, as I started the G1 climax journey, so we have, um, it <laughs> started off with day one. We had Kochabushi losing to Yujiro in an the upset, then we had uh, Ishii losing to uh, Shingo in the main event, which is an absolutely insane match, uh, just absolute barn burner. Uh, and then you look at the B block show. I, I tell you guys right now, and I mentioned this on Twitter, I really think the B-Block's going to have the best quality shows on this tour so far. Um, but I don't, I don't want to sleep on the A-Block because the A-Block has good competitors too and it can have really good matches as well. I think the A-Block is top-heavy, but as far as overall match quality, the B-Block is where it's at. Uh, especially uh, on uh, last Sunday, we had... Jeff Cobb against Chase Owens. I thought that was a good match. Tama Tonga tore the house down with um, Sonata. I thought that was a fantastic match. Uh, what was it? Uh, Hiroki Goto against uh, Chi was tremendous. And then, of course, I'd be remiss without mentioning... Um, Okada and Tanahashi was a fantastic match. Oh, I can't forget this other one, too. Evil and uh, Yoshiashi had a good opening match as well on Sunday. So that whole B-Block show uh, this past um, Sunday from Osaka was a tremendous show. But Okada and Tanahashi was just absolutely art, man. It, it, it was an amazing match. If you haven't seen it, go on your way to go check it out. And then... Um, Tomorrow, uh, as I'm recording this on a Thursday, we have Okada and Evil as your main event. Also got uh Tanahashi against Hiroki Goto. Uh I think what else is on the show tomorrow. I think um I think it's Jeff Cobb and Yoshihashi and then um Taichi is taking on Sonata. So yeah, it should be a pretty fun show tomorrow uh, as well for the B block. As far as what happened today, um, obviously the other competitors that won't be able to fight Naito in the G1 now have gained extra points. So Tangaloa Ta- Tanga today fought Yuji Nagato, in a special singles match, so he did not have a tournament match today. Uh, we had Toriano losing to the Great Okan. I can't believe I'll say this. The great Okan is your current leader in the A block with six points. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, I thought Kenta and Yuzuru's match was solid. Nothing great, nothing horrible. You know, my dad, Kensa, won today. Uh, the Ishii-Abushi match was... My God, man. <laughs> this is the sucky part being a, a New Japan fan, especially for me, because I'm such an Ishii mark. Like... I, you want him to get in the hot start and actually believe he has a chance to make it to the finals, but he, he gets always the top matches right out the gate. He gets, he digs himself such a hole. It's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> uh, he lost to Ibushi today. It was an awesome match, man. Like, there's never an Ishii match that I don't enjoy, but when him and Ibushi get in the ring each other, it's just freaking art, man. Uh, I, I love when they get in the ring each other. Then, Uh, Shingo and Zack Sabre Jr., uh, to me, probably had the best match in the tournament so far today. Uh, Their match was absolutely insane. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. made Shingo tap out to some modified triangle choke towards the end of the match. Uh, That was an awesome-ass main event. So, uh, it was really, really good. Um, So... Let's let's go over a little bit over the scorecards. Like I mentioned, uh the Great Okan is currently leading the stands right now on the A block. Uh we got a tie as far as the standings uh in second place with four points. Uh let's take a look at this really quick as I got this updated. Um CSA, Shingo, Bushi, Kenta, Yuzuro, and Yano have four points. And then Ishii and Loa round out the bottom end of this block with two points, which is unfortunate. Uh, as far as the beat blocks concerned, we have uh, one-way tie with Okada, Taichi, Sanada, Jeff Cobb, and Evil at two points. And everybody else has zero points as they only had one event so far. So, uh, like I mentioned, tomorrow we have Hiroshi Tanahashi against Hiroki Goto. Tama Tong against Chase Owens in a Bullet Club match. Jeff Cobb and Yoshihashi Sonata and Taichi and Okada and Evil and then coming up on Sunday uh, we have two singles matches first is Master Watto against the newest young lion Kosi Fujua and Shingo Takayo will have his singles match against Yuji Nagata that should be a lot of fun uh, the great Okan be taking on Yujiro uh, Tagalo will be back in tournament action against Toriano. we have Ishii and Kenta my god uh, it's the semi-final, and then we got Ibushi against Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, as the main event on Sunday, and then next week is uh, insane with shows on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, back-to-back-to-back to back to back shows uh, next week. It's going to be insane. Wish me luck, <laughs> uh, but it's a lot of fun. We got a lot of great wrestling going on right now in New Japan, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, cover this tournament, uh, so Keep it updated. I have the reference sheet on my website, uh, ProWrestlingTranscripts.com. Type in the reference sheet for the G1 Climax Tournament, and uh, I keep you updated. I have updated results and scoreboards and stuff like that, and uh, we'll see what goes down. So, with that being said, I think it's time to give the people what they want, what they've been waiting for, what they've been dreaming about, pal. <laughs> it's our main event segment of the week. Is affectionately known as "What the hell is wrong with AEW?" We're gonna start off with the nefarious brothers of all brothers, the br- the good brother of all good brothers, the one and only Brother Carter, in a three, two, one.
3: It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? I gotta tell you, this actually was a pretty good show from Dynamite this week, and we'll get into it, but... There were still some things that made me say what the hell is wrong with this company, but not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. So let's get into it. Uh, In this week's edition, I'm going to just outline every bit of the show because there was so many good things about it, Uh, just with a few small what the hell is wrong with them in there. So let's get into it, and then we'll break down the show here. Pretty cool atmosphere for uh, Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson, I must say. Also, holy crap, Daniel's uh, chest was hella red. I got to say, props to him for taking all those shots, man. He can really take a chop. And like, wow, he's not afraid to really get after it. So that was crazy. God, I hate the North Carolina thing with his entrance. It's so stupid. He's not from there. Kenny Omega is Canadian. He's not from North Carolina. It's so freaking stupid. It's AEW, Don and Olivier, and Don Fallis trying to be funny. And they just make himself look like jackasses. But they do that every day. Anyways. Omega is a good athlete but he takes his conceited gimmick way too far. It's not entertaining anymore, it's just annoying. Like him being a prick is just like it's it's not funny anymore. Like it's it's not it doesn't show to me that he actually is capable of defending his championship. Uh also does Kenny Omega ever not oversell? Like seriously, it's it's I can't stand watching Kenny Omega wrestle. He's a good athlete, comp- the most overrated wrestler of all time and it's not close how overrated he is. Um, he's fine, uh, it, this was a good match, I enjoyed it, uh, really good match, and I like the idea of a time limit draw, because it extends this going forward, I, th- I think it's fine, a lot of people are complaining about it, I think it's fine, I have no problems with it, because you can continue a match with them later on, and it's fine, it's actually storytelling, oh my god, AEW is actually trying a storytelling concept, oh my god, what a concept, wow, Woo! Uh, apparently rules still don't matter in AEW. There's no count outs. There's no DQs at everything. At, at this point, every match might as well be a no disqualification match because during this match, I mean, they were running down and they were clearly outside the ring for more than 10 seconds. Ref doesn't care. Uh, it's, it, it, there's no rules in AEW. The referees are useless at this point. Um, so again, really good match with Danielson and Omega, but then it, it's ruined because the elite come down and ruin it by acting like pricks. And of course, there's a post-match brawl because AEW, Uh, you know, you've got the elite, the the super click as they call themselves, give me a break, come down and then they beat up Danielson and then of course, Christian Cage and and Jurassic Express come down. Instead of running them off, they actually get into a post-match brawl because if you don't have at least one post-match brawl on an AEW show, it's not an AEW show. I just feel so bad for Adam Cole and I hate what they've done to him. They've ruined him. He used to be one of the best in the world. Now he's just a lackey for the elite. And it's unfortunate. I hope he's getting paid well. (sighs) Another good CM Punk promo, but of course he takes a shot at WWE by saying that professional wrestling is back in New York, knowing very well that they just had a show in MSG a couple of weeks ago when Brock Lesnar returned. Um, You know, the promo was just basically one big shot at WWE. It was a good promo, but uh, this is one of the reasons why I can't stand Punk. Good match with MJF and Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, MJF does a good job in the ring and plays a really good heel. Uh, Brian Pillman is a generic face. Doesn't really do anything for me, but it was a decent match. Uh, I didn't mind it. I really enjoyed that. Wardlow definitely deserves better than what he's getting. No question about it. And, you know, he, he deserves a chance to shine. The other thing that bothered me about this match is they really made Julia Hart look like a weak female, a weak cheerleader female and unable to defend herself against a man. You know, that seems pretty sexist. You know, MJF was up in her face and, you know, instead of Julia Hart slapping him and beating the shit out of MJF, you know, she's like, oh, my God, please don't hurt me. You know, I, I thought that was a little bit sexist, but that's just me. Why do they let Jake Hager speak? Seriously, he has nothing to add. He's not intimidating at all. Uh, why do they let Jake Hager speak? I don't understand. Malachi Black's entrance is really cool. Um, and I say that all the time, but that was, he's, he's really getting shown well in AEW. I think that that's great. And I will say it made me very happy to hear the, that the crowd was booing Cody. You know, he was trying to be the face in this match, but obviously they weren't, the crowd was not buying it. Uh, good match with Black and Cody, and I'm happy that Aleister Black got the win. I thought that was what needed to happen, but the Arn Anderson stuff, Anderson stuff was just weird. I don't know if they're teasing a split between the two of them, but the problem is they're going to tease a split, but we're not going to see it on TV for another month and expect to remember what happened, which is the problem with AEW is that they don't cater to the casual fan. They cater to the hardcore fan, which is fine, but it's a very, very small percentage of the wrestling market, and AEW, they haven't figured that out yet. Unless they think that the fans are just going to abandon WWE and pour all of their money into AEW, which I just don't see happening. Okay, Sting's face paint was really cool, and so was Darby Allin's. Um, I like the red. It kind of reminded me of his Joker days in TNA. Um, this was a good match. I enjoyed this. Uh, Darby Allen is fantastic. He's so good. He is a real star. There's no question. And Sting actually looked good, too. I was surprised. I was like, okay, good job, Sting. That was great. If he only wrestles every once in a while, it could work. Actually, I I I was shocked. You know, guy in his sixties, he he was able to go. That was pretty good. Um, but it's time to split up Sting and Darby. They they've each gotten what they've needed out of each other. Darby Allen is a star. Let them each do their own thing. Um, they you, they don't need to be paired together anymore. You can just move on from this. You know, they don't need each other anymore. And then a great match to end the show. I love both Britt Baker and Ruby Soho. I've said this before. I think Ruby Soho got a raw deal in WWE, and I think she hopefully, if AEW doesn't screw this up, which they will, um, could really have a chance to be a superstar because I think she's absolutely terrific. And what can you say about Britt Baker? She's the best part about AEW each week. She's absolutely fantastic inside the ring, outside the ring. There's a reason she is DMD really really solid episode of dynamite this week i actually really enjoyed it It might have been the best show they've ever put on but because the name of our segment is what it is i'll say it what the hell is wrong with aew this has been what the hell is wrong with aew
1: Thank you, Brother Carter, for the submission this week, my man. I appreciate you. You never cease to disappoint me, my man. Make sure to follow Brother Carter on Twitter, at, by the way, at Derek Stouton, if you will. All right. What the hell is wrong with AEW? A.K.A. what isn't wrong with AEW? Everybody wants to know, hey, Joshy, did you like Grand Slam last night? I'll give you my answer. I did. I did enjoy it. Uh, Grand Slam last night. Uh, just like Brett Carter said, uh, I think I enjoyed the sh- show for the most part, and I think it's always been a misconception of myself and Brett Carter that our goal here at December is just to absolutely trash the shit on everything that goes on the show, like Meltzer and Alvarez would do with WWE, but. We call Spade Spade and we say what we like and we don't like. So, there's stuff on the show that I did like. And there's also stuff that I have to call Spade and say and call bullshit on. So, <laughs> um, with that being said, let's start it off. Um, you know, I was... I wouldn't say that I was personally surprised. But I was surprised that there wasn't as much WWE shots or... thrown or blah, 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 blah on this broadcast last night as I was expecting it to. I thought this was just going to be like, okay, here's our new signings and here comes a bunch of gazillion shots towards WWE because that's just the vibe that I get off this promotion. But we started off with Kenny Olivier and Karen Danielson. Uh, I have to say, shout out to Brian for uh, publishing his uh, article on the pro, uh, Player's Tribune. I thought that was awesome. And I, th- I have a lot of respect for Brian Danielson the person. The person. So when I call him Karen Danielson, just understand that I'm talking about the character. I'm not talking about the man. Like, take it easy, folks. <laughs> uh, but yes, we had Kenny Olivier against Karen Danielson. And I'll tell you what. I enjoyed the match for the most part, but that was mostly due to Brian Danielson. Uh, We still have Olivier prancing around around the ring with his jazz hands and his jazz fingers and his goofy facial expressions. I I think I counted like seven or eight V-triggers in this match last night. Uh, It was a very physical match, and it's one of the better matches I've seen from Kenny recently. I'm not a big fan of his work in the ring. I'm not, so sue me for for it. But uh, it it shows a lot when somebody pulls something out of him that I can enjoy in a match. So big shout-out to Brian Danson. I have no issue, no reason to go on a soliloquy or event about the match ending in a time-limit draw. Uh, they'll have another match. i still going to hold to my guns that it's kind of dumb that Brian is automatically going to be thrusted to the top picture. But what can I do about it? This show is for the dirt seats and not establishing an actual alternative product. Anyways, uh, so I thought that was a good match. Then we get into <laughs> a backstage interview with Officer Bar Brady with Jake Hager. Hey, my name is Jake and nobody still doesn't give shit about me. Hager. And the Ayatollah of the Rona. Uh, Mickey, uh, Mickey Trump in the house. So, <laughs> I got to say this. I could give two shits about the card on Friday for Rampage. I don't... I hate saying that as somebody who's a Suzuki fan too, but you have three tag matches. Two of them that I don't give a shit about. They're gonna make the referees look stupid. And Adam Cole and the Young Bucks against Christian Cage and Jurassic Express. Of course, this uh, Murray Carter mentioned there had to be an afterbirth after Olivia and Danielson. Uh, and no, I'm not interested in that match. Then we got the Lucha Brothers, Santana Ortiz against the Hardy Family Office, which is gonna be a spot fest, and that is what's gonna be. And then we have uh, the main events gonna be Suzuki and Archer doing a job to Moxley and Kingston in a lights out match. I'm not for the hardcore outlaw, much of bullshit matches. So like I don't have any other sense to watch Rampage on Friday besides CM Punk wrestling, obviously. So Punk will be fighting uh Powerhouse Hobbs and we'll see how that goes. Uh speaking of C Punk, um his comment about professional wrestling hasn't been in New York for a long time. I thought it was very interesting to me. Not to the point that Bernard Carr mentioned about uh, SmackDown being there, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't Ring of Honor in New Japan at Madison Square Garden in 2019? Or Dow Sports Entertainment? I needed to know. <laughs> Love Punk, he's my dude He's my favorite wrestler of all time But that doesn't mean I can call him on to shit um, I mean, that's his deal He's still angry with them So he's going to do that to placate to the AEW fans Because that's the audience that hates everything WWE is And he's going to placate to that And that is what it is So I wasn't, I wasn't upset about it I wasn't angry about it But it's like, okay dude, we get it already like, <laughs> I want the old CM Punk back, but it's like, okay, I'll see a buck. Here's my love fest. I'm going to throw a couple shots to WWE each week to uh, make time pass through. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'd I like to see something more significant out of the CM Punk run than, oh, I'm here for the love fest. Uh, I'm here to throw a couple arrows to WWE. It's if I feel like C. Pug is playing the hits right now and not doing anything substantial, and it's not a knock against Team Taz or Darby Allen or anything like that. But I don't feel like there's anything significant. That CM Punk is doing right now. And I hate saying that. With the fact that my favorite wrestler is back on TV. So I'm not, take, I'm not taking Punk for granted. But nothing that he's done so far has really moves me, moved me. Besides the match he had it all out. And then the first promo he had at Rampage. So uh, happy to see Punk on my TV. But um, hopefully see something interesting down the road. Um, I thought MJF and Brian Pillman Jr. was a paint-by-numbers match. Um, I thought they made Brian Pillman look like a dumb baby face in this match. Um, <laughs> you know, shaking the ropes through the stomp on the mat and looking at the crowd, looking at the crowd after every move he does. Uh, just thought that was a little weird. Um, uh, yeah, MGF was good. I just felt this match was kind of rushed. It was more of your paint by numbers match. It didn't feel like anything substantial. Like the fact that this was a regular match with all the shit that MGF taught to MJF MG, uh, that MGF taught to Pillman in the coming weeks. I I'm I I'm surprised it's not a no DQ match, but they decided to as as ritual, when it comes to these big shows, AW likes to drop their load. Uh <laughs> shoot their load. And, you know, give Danielson and Omega away for 30 minutes on free TV. And then we got to rush everything else throughout the show. I just felt like the vibe and the flow of the show kind of went downhill after the Omega and Danielson match. So if you're wrong, I, I enjoyed the show for m- the most part. And I, it, there wasn't an aspects of the show that made me want to pull my hair out besides the next match I've been talking about. But I enjoyed it for the most part. But the rest of it was just there for me. Uh, just like this match. All right, now we go into Cody Rhodes against Malachi Black. Jeff Jarrett's gonna have a hard time trying to get to win people over. Um, in the coming weeks, uh, no, I will not be binge watching uh Rhodes to the top on TNT. I will not be binge watching that, even though it was nice to see. Um, Brandy Rose on my TV screen. Uh, she got the curves for days and it's always good to partake in that. I'm going to keep that to myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I thought this match was a clusterfuck. Uh, this is my least favorite match of the show. Um, get Art, At- get Art Anderson out of the ringside area with his fucking Matt Nagy play sheet. Uh, I'm so tired of seeing that pairing... The whole concept of him being the coach of uh, Cody Rose was stupid in the first place. Um, it, it was ridiculous. And, you know, to have all that. To have Brandy come in the ring and distract Black. And having Art Anderson jump on the ring apron. Even though he's supposed to be a babyface manager. And then to, all that. Just that Black win with, with spray Black mist into Cody's eyes. I just... This is one of those matches where nobody benefited from it. The crowd didn't give a shit about what Cody Rhodes was doing. Yeah, they were cheering for Black, but you're not supposed to cheer for Black. And this was not a double-turn match. Because if if you're going to compare this to what Bret Hart and Stone Cold did at the Rosemont Horizon at WrestleMania 13, you're smoking something. Okay, Uh, This match was what it was. I wouldn't say there was bad action in it, but... Uh it did nothing for me. I thought it was really sloppy towards the end. And to have all that interference and just to have Black do the simple like Buddha style miss into the face, uh just wasn't for me. So uh and the sucky part about it is that I don't think this thing's over. And before you know it, Rhodes will beat Malachi Black and then he'll turn heel. So yeah. Not a good look. Not a good look. Um, I thought Darby and Sting's match with TR was good. Uh, Sting is a le- a legend. I said it last night. He's just a true, true, pure legend, and I have all the respect in wor- All the respect in world for Sting. What he does in the ring. While I'm indifferent to the pairing with him and Darby Allen, he's done really a really good job in the match he's been booked in. Since he's joined AEW and still being allowed to wrestle and stuff like that. So, I'm happy for Sting. And he's still putting on good performances. So, it was really cool to see that. And then, um, the only thing I'll say is this. And I love FTR. Those who listen to the podcast know that I love FTR. They're one of the few acts in AEW that I do enjoy. But I feel like they're falling into the tag team rabbit hole in AEW. Where they would used to cut a ring in half. Now they're doing the same shit the Young Bucks are doing. Where they're constantly running into the ring when they're not supposed to. And, it, you know, it's one thing to do that whole abdominal stretch thing in the corner Where you're holding onto your partner's hand for leverage behind a referee's back and stuff like that. Okay, that's fine. But, like, Cash Wheeler, more per se. Dude, why are you fucking running into the ring every 20 seconds after being tagged out? Weren't you the people the same guys like, oh, we want to bring old school rules? We want to hold the tag robe. We want to do this. I, I felt like my head was spinning by the number of times I had to look in the back of my head. Oh, here comes Wheeler coming in for interference. Here comes. It was a little bit too much it for my liking. It didn't take away from the match to me, but it's an observation. I feel like ETR. Is getting into this bucks territory where they're running into the ring and making referees look stupid. So, um, yeah, it was what it was. And then the main event. By the way, I have I have next to zero interest in Miro against Sammy Guevara. I mean, y'all can mark out from Sammy Guevara. I think I could go to fuck home and stay to fuck home as far as I'm concerned. Um, the main event: Britt Baker, and Ruby Soho. Cool that the ladies got to the main event, uh, this show at Arthur Ashe Stadium. But just like WrestleMania 35, I thought the match quality had much left to uh, be desired, in my opinion. Um, I just think they didn't match well. Uh, there was a couple good spots towards the end of this match, but I wasn't really clicking with this match. Britt Baker obviously retained. Uh, obviously, is. She's a star, so there's no reason to take the title off of her. Uh, so that was what it was. Um, What's too crazy about that match? Like I said, after the Bryan, uh promo, not the Brian promo, after the Brian and Omega match and the Punk promo, I just felt like the flow of the show started to go downhill. And the top, the commentary was brutal too. Like, when, whenever can Tony Schiavone... Ever disagree with Jr.? That's what I want to know. You know, it's <laughs> just uh, I I like the same thing, week in and week out. Like you're right, Jr. Absolutely, Jr. Like nobody can disagree with little Jr. Because ego will be affected if somebody disagrees with him Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure uh, Jr. is gonna say on his podcast this week. Oh, I, I, I'm trucker charged. I thought, I thought Omega and Brian was the best TV match I ever called in my life. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, and I'm already seeing those tw- uh, those takes on Twitter. Oh my God, this is the best TV match ever. Really? This is the best TV match ever? Sorry, folks. We don't do Prisoner of the, the Moment takes here on the Who's Podcast. Nope. Also, if you're going to do a developmental show, you don't need to have 14 matches on it. I don't care how many matches you tape at Universal Studios. There's no reason why AEW Dark has to be two fucking hours. I'll say that. Thanks a lot, Tony Khan. And then, lastly here. With all the hype going into this Arthur Ashe Stadium show. I was... I wouldn't say disappointed, but I was I was really... Just thinking about it, it's like, is this the best that AEW could offer at this venue? Not for Dynamite, but for pages following night the, on Friday. Yeah, you're getting to see CM Punk wrestle, but honestly, if you look at the card, like, of course, you got Anna J and Penelope before. it. That's going to be a great match to look at. The, but you have these two... Meaningless tag matches. One's an eight man tag, and another one's a six man tag. And then, uh, no, there's three of them. Three mid card tag matches. You got the Men of the Year against the Inner Circle. Who gives a shit? The inner. Uh, what did Dan Lambert say? The inner, <laughs> the Inner Circle jerk. <laughs> oh, I love Dan Larry. He's the man. But honestly, you got you got Scorpio Sky eat the page against the Inner Circle jerk. You got the Lucha Brothers, Santana Ortiz against the, the Hardy, Running Lip Office. And then you got <laughs> the, the Super Click against the Christian Cage in the Jungle Express. Is this the best that AEW could offer? Especially with this show being on a Friday night being two hours. I don't know. And Punk is fighting Powerhouse Hobbs. That's fine. We'll have to see. I don't want to prejudge it, but I'm, I'm I'm just indifferent to that card as a whole at on on Friday at Rampage. So we'll have to see what happens there. But all in all, I enjoyed Dynamite this week. I'll give credit where credit's due. Props to you, AW. But still, you guys know the name and the title of this broadcast. It is what the hell the let me rephrase that. <laughs> You know what the title of this broadcast is and this segment is. And that, folks, on that note, is what the hell is wrong with AEW this week. I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with me for this week's edition of the Hoots Podcast. As always, you can hit me up on Twitter if you like, at Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to subscribe and follow the Hoots Podcast anywhere you get podcasts from. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get podcasts from. Make sure to bookmark Pro Make sure to follow Brian Carter on Twitter at Derek Stouten. Make sure to support his work at DerekStouten.com. And I always like to remind you guys to be the authentic product that is yourself. And remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself. I'm Josh E. Even- this has been episode 276 of the Who's Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the G1 this weekend. Hope you guys enjoy Extreme Rules. We'll be here to recap it next week right here in the podcast. But right now, we're going to send it out to Brother Carter for another stellar edition of the Thoughts of Derico right here on the Podcast. Tell you guys next week. Yes, sir.
3: And now, the thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all. To the segment that will be more extreme than ever. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only brother Carter. Gonna keep it short and sweet this week for the Thoughts of Derico. Uh, not a you know, I'm gonna go right into my predictions. No. For extreme rules this weekend should be a good show. There's been some good stuff happening lately. Uh very exciting stuff. Obviously, the rumors is because of the success of AEW. I don't know what to buy into that, but there has been some good stuff lately uh, and I'm just going to go right into uh, my thoughts here and uh, with the prediction and you know basically uh, go through each match and I'll talk a little bit about each match uh, as I go through and kind of what I've seen on programming for the last couple weeks. So let's get right into it and uh, these are the matches that are as of this th- of uh, Thursday, September 23rd when I'm recording this, the thoughts of O. So these are the matches that are listed. There could be more going into the show, but this is what we've got for right now. So let's get into it. Starting off with Liv Morgan versus Carmella. I hope that this is actually on the main card, but I have a feeling this will be on the pre-show. I just don't know what's going on with the SmackDown Women's Division right now. You know, you've got, obviously you've got Bianca and Becky, which are leading it right now. And we'll get into that match here in a little bit. But you know we've got a lot of people that are floating around. You've got Liv Morgan, Carmella, Tony Storm, Lizelina Vega, Naomi. They're all just kind of floating around right now. And I, I again, I still want to see Naomi as a part of the bloodline. I think that's that's the way for her to go. But in this match, uh, I'm going to take Carmella to get the win here. Uh, you know, I have a feeling that we'll continue the storyline going forward. So I'm taking Carmella to defeat Liv Morgan, even though I think this could be an opportunity for both women to shine and to really show what they can do. SmackDown Tag Team Championship match, the Usos defending against the Street Profits. I don't see any reason to take the titles off the Usos right now. Uh, I, I, Well, I say that, but yeah, yeah no, I'm going to stick with the Usos right now, uh, and I think because there could be some family tension coming down the line, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But I'm going to take the Usos to retain over the Street Profits, but it's it. This feud's going to continue because this. I mean, what other viable teams are there on SmackDown right now? So I'm going to take that the Usos retain, but uh, it's it's not a foregone conclusion. United States Championship, my favorite Raw superstar as of right now, Damian Priest, defending against Jeff Hardy to, uh, and Sheamus. Uh, this was made a triple threat match this past week on SmackDown I'm, or on rock. Excuse me. I'm going to take Damian priest to retain. I love Damian priest. No reason to take the title off of him right now. It's an easy way for there to continue any feuds that they want to because of triple threat match rules. Uh, De- Damian priest has been defending his title in triple threat matches a lot recently. He did it with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre a few weeks ago, and now we've got Jeff Hardy and Sheamus. So I'm going to take Damian priest to retain, but they'll keep this feud going forward into the the remainder of the fall. And I love it. I love Damian Priest. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Becky Lynch defending the SmackDown Women's Championship. And they're finally going to get their actual match that uh, that they didn't get at SummerSlam, which everybody was freaking out and upset about. But this has been the build to this. So it's fine. Everybody needs to just relax. I'm going to take Becky to retain here. I don't see a reason for them to put Bianca the title back on Bianca just yet. I do think they can get one more match out of them though. So Bianca will eventually win the title back and establish herself as the face of the SmackDown Women's Division, which I des- I think she deserves. She- I think she's absolutely terrific. Um, but I think Becky Lynch gets the win here and they can get one more match out of them a little bit later. Charlotte Flair, the GOAT. Woo! Versus Alexa Bliss. This one is interesting because, you know, you've got... You've got Charlotte Flair, who is the GOAT of all time, the greatest of all time, and Alexa Bliss, who has kind of been floating around for a long time, and she's, ever since the, the, you know Bray Wyatt left WWE, I don't really know. Her character's just kind of been floating and stuff like that, and she's finally getting her shot at the Raw Women's Championship. I think you can get one more match out of them. Eventually, Alexa Bliss will win the title, so... I'm gonna take Charlotte to win here. I don't see a reason to put the title on Alexa bliss just yet because she's because this feud has kind of been building, but not really. so I think you can build this a little bit more before finally putting the title on Alexa. so I'm gonna take Charlotte Flair to get the win here, but not sure uh but but I also could see Alexa winning as well. As of now, the WWE Championship is not being defended at this show. I don't think they'll I don't think they'll throw it on there just yet with what's going to happen with Big E, Bobby Lashley. I don't know what's happening with that. I don't know if they'll add a match. I don't know. But so right now the WWE Championship's not being defended. I'm not worried worried about that because they'll eventually do something with that, uh, getting into the October-November pay-per-views. But um we'll see. But we'll see. I, I will say that I love Big E as champion and I think he's doing some really great work. And then finally. We've got the Universal Championship match. Roman Reigns defending against the Demon, Finn Balor. Now, I mentioned this when the Demon returned a couple weeks ago that I was very scared about what they were going to do with this because of, you know, the Demon's never lost and Roman Reigns seems unstoppable. So what do you do? However, I, I started thinking about this and once they made the match official for Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel, this became easy. Finn Balor is going to win the universal championship and Brock Lesnar is going to cost him Uh, because then you keeps the demon alive. It keeps the power of the demon alive. Demon can win the universal championship. uh, Eventually get the storyline where Roman Reigns, well, Roman Reigns takes care of Brock Lesnar at crown jewel, then a survivor series or at the December pay-per-view or a TLC, I guess it would be Roman Reigns can just say, well, you, you go and compete me with the demon. Finn Balor says, no, I don't need the demon to beat you. And then Roman Reigns once again wins the Universal Championship in December. So I'm saying that Finn Balor defeats the head of the table and becomes your new Universal Champion. And those are the thoughts of Derrico this week. My final thought is, can't wait for football season. I'm so glad that football season is back. Uh, I did not think that the Bucks were, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to be what they are. But man, look out for them. It's going to be crazy. This has been the thoughts of Derico. You're smarter now, man.